0: Like many of you, I'm curious about many topics, and what better way to learn than to speak directly with the people who have the answers or insights that you're looking for. My name is Costa. welcome to Founder Reviews, that's what this channel is all about. You're going to hear me pick the brains of thought leaders, CEOs, politicians, and business experts about subjects that I'm personally interested in or working on at any given time from economics, business, real estate investing, Bitcoin, politics, and much, much more. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get started. Jess, thank you so much for joining me once again. I was really excited to have you on the podcast again.
1: I appreciate it. Well, I guess I did something right the first time we did this, Costa. You're having me on for a second time, but uh, all joking aside, I appreciate, buddy. Um, I also I also think it's so cool because I've seen your growth now um, from from the perspective of, of just putting out more content, um, and it's positive, and it's inspiring, and at the end of the day, look, I mean, the, the, the the times that we're going through here in the city in the in the country in the world we need more of those vibrations that are being put out by you so uh a thank you and b congratulations and thank futures. you man
0: That truly that, that means a lot coming from you i really do appreciate that um so look i want to get into it you know i was like i said i was very excited to speak with you uh for the last two or three months you know, personally i've been you know a lot more active in exploring opportunities in real estate and investing and Um, and obviously, like you said, so much going on in the world and the economy right now, I really wanted to speak with you. Who's not only, uh, someone who's not only experienced like a real estate investor yourself, but also you help many real estate investors. So really hoping just to pick your brain here, hopefully share a lot of important insights and information that can help others that are thinking about real estate right now as well. I
1: love it, man. I think, um, you know, it, real estate is not the only way that you can create wealth. Um, I think it's, you know, obviously I'm biased, but I mean, there's, there's millions upon millions of people. You know, in fact, I think there's like 90% of millionaires grew their, their wealth through real estate. But again, like, I mean, full transparency, it's not the only way to build wealth. I just think that, that the average person like myself and like you and, um, so many others before us and currently that are doing it it', it, it it's a little easier to do right It Th- doesn't mean that it's easy, but it's easier than some of the others um, other ways of of creating uh, uh, wealth in in your portfolio in your life, like that generational wealth stuff. Um, but personally, I do believe though that the the number one investment is investing into yourself, which will then allow you to get into circles, get that education, get in front of opportunities in in so many of those other buckets. And if it's if it's real estate, I think that's awesome. Um, and so I'm going to try to bring as much value to the conversation as I possibly can. Um,
0: yeah, and, and I I'm totally aligned with you. I totally agree with everything you just said right there. Um, I, I know your outlook on real estate because uh, you could you mention it a lot is like ten years, like minimum, which. Which I totally get for the most part. I, I share that same outlook with you, but I also want to speak to those who have maybe different investment criteria, maybe shorter outlook—five years, even shorter-term rentals. So, you know, spice it up a bit. So, I want to start with you know everyone's number one question: uh, interest rates. I think this is a big question mark. Everyone I speak to seems to have their own theory on where they see interest rates going. So, I'm curious just to hear your macro outlook on the economy in general and, and, and what you think, um, you know, Bank of Canada's play is.
1: Well, look, I'm glad that I brought the crystal ball. So I'm going to be able to kind of tell everybody what the forecast is going to be. Um, look, I think what happened in in 2020 um, with the lockdown, um, obviously it was something that none of us in our lifetime have seen. Um, so even Bank of Canada, the government, here in our country and obviously all um, other countries in the world, they've never, they've never seen something like this. Right. And so um, if you agree or disagree, I think, I think the printing of the money that they put into the system at that time was needed because we, nobody knew what this was. This virus was Um, stuff was shut down. Um, You couldn't go to your job. You couldn't open up stores majority of them anyways, you couldn 't open up businesses, and so to keep everyone afloat to to pump in the and print the money that they did well i I, I think again, if you agree or disagree it doesn 't really matter it 's more from the fact of that that nobody like died of starvation, right like I mean, all due respect to the people that did pass away because of the virus, nothing happened like we weren't you know there was pictures I remember back then, like people were pulling out. Pictures from the 1920s and like the Great Depression and 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 people lining up for food and for bread, but we didn't see that. And so I think the government here in our country in Canada needed to act swiftly, and they did. And so I think over time, though, as we started to print even more and more money. Anybody who kind of understands like basic economics, basic supply and demand, if you have some, if you have more supply of something, it loses its value. That's why you don't want to continuously print money because there's more of it out there. And then it actually brings down the value of that dollar as they printed, as they kept on printing money and people didn't get to actually go to work for whatever reason. Some of them were just like, why wouldn't I just collect the serb And why wouldn't I just collect the free money? That's what created the economy we're in right now, which is like, we're in like, we've never seen inflation like this for a very, very long time. The actual numbers here in Canada at the time of this recording, start of August, like we haven't actually seen the numbers in terms of our GDP decline. And if it, the actual definition of a recession tells us that if we've had two consecutive declines in GDP than uh, two consecutive quarters, then we're in a recession. I think it's safe to say that the state side, even though that the government's not really admitting it right now, but they, the numbers have come out there, I think we're going to be very, very similar. The nice thing is, from the numbers in the states, that it wasn't a sharp decline. I think it was like 0.9%. I think most people were, were expecting the second quarter in terms of GDP to be the decline to be actually larger. And so right now, we, we are in this place where we have to, and it's what the Bank of com- Government did from the start of 2022 to currently where we're sitting right now, August 2022, at the time of this recording, we have seen some sharp increases in interest rates because we need to curb the inflation. I mean, the numbers that are coming out here in Canada are around like 8%. I think it's more just based based on the fact that when I go buy my grocery bill is a lot more than it was last year. Like it's just basic stuff, the gas that I'm paying, like getting to work, things that I'm paying, like food, all of that stuff. Right. And so one of the ways to curb it is to increase interest rates because then that stops people from spending money as, as much as they were. The biggest factor when it comes to the economy is is the housing sector why because when people buy and sell approximately a little over 120 dollars to $150,000 gets pumped into the economy because electricians are needed, drywallers are needed, uh, uh, plumbers are needed, painters, and the list goes on and on. The, the real estate fees, the lawyer fees, the mortgage fees, all of that stuff, it's approximately 125 dollars to $150,000 every time a home is transacted because you also have a buyer and you have a seller. And so it's no surprise to me. I mean, I've been doing this for 17 years that we've also seen a decline in sales. Well, cost of borrowing has gone up. What Where you could have, you know, probably at the start of this year, call it like February, March, if a home buyer could have afforded an $800,000 home currently right now, that number is close to about 550 to 575000 because because again, the cost of borrowing has gone up. I believe, I believe that they're going to continue to increase the, the interest rate for another, probably by, by another, I apologize, a half a percent to 0.75%. After that, I think they would they run the risk of 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 actually like nobody purchasing anything like no like hardly any home selling um um any large purchases happening and so that's why listening to other like i'm not an economist but watching some of the economists that i've been watching for 15 17 years that now i also have data on them like some of their forecasts over the years some of the guys are saying that like q2 is when we'll see interest rates being pulled back and they start to decrease a little. I, I have seen something similar to this back in like 08, 09. We didn't have a massive financial crisis here in Canada. We were very protected because of the fact that our banking system is so conservative. We're in the States and other parts in the world. We all, everyone knows what happened back in 08 and 09, but even in Canada, we saw an increase of rates and then we saw them pull them back. Right. and so. Overall, I actually think that the one thing that I I believe that the Bank of Canada could have done a little bit better is actually probably increase the rates earlier on, probably early to mid 2021, and done smaller increases. The reasons people, the reason one of the major reasons that people are talking about this so much and it's all over the media and every podcast that I'm on, is that is that because. The, the increases were so large and like big increases. It was a quarter at the start of the year, but then you got hit with 0.5, 0.5 again. And the, the most recent one in July was 0.75 right? And so there's probably another big one coming 0.5 to 0.75, as I mentioned. And so when you see large increases and big increases like that, then that's when it starts to make a lot of headlines where I think if we made them, if the Bank of Canada did that part a little quicker and made smaller increases, we wouldn't feel it as much. At the end of the day, overall, again, outlook, I think Canada specifically the place where I'm talking to you from right now, where I'm born and raised, excuse me, where 95% of my investments are not 85% of my clients investments for the last 75 years has been done in the greater Toronto area slash Southern Ontario. It's safe to say that we are going to continue to have people come into this region, into the country. I mean, numbers that are being kind of thrown around there, especially to make up, for the fact that the borders were closed for whatever it was, a year, year and a half, we're gonna see approximately like into this greater Toronto area, southern Ontario market, we're gonna see like close to 200,000 people a year for the next three, four years, year over year. And so when they all come here, they need one thing that's housing, right? Now, we know out of history and facts that 50% of them rent or, or live with family and the other 50% buy. But either way, other than if they're living with family, they need some type of housing. And the dream has always been to to go out and own a home. So even the renters and the ones that live with family, they're going to move towards actually owning a home. And so hence why, like, I love where you started with me, where 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 I now I know you dive into my content, where I do speak to real estate in 10-year windows. For me specifically, I actually go over to, like, 20 years. I have things that I have bought, like, It's like I buy them, I I go to sleep, and I'm like, I'll I'll check in in 20 years unless I'm thinking about doing a refi. But the reason I say 10 years is because if you look back to the last 100 years, Costa, and this is history, so it's not, you know, the forecasting stuff. Every decade, values on average in this region have doubled. And so if I know that, and it might be off by like a year, it might be year 9, it might be year 11, but on average, I know that the values are going to double all I have to do is hold on, yeah. and by holding on, I know not only is that is that price going to be double what I bought it, but more importantly, if it was an income property, someone else paid down the mortgage for me, right, and then I get that magical word that I like, which is my equity has grown, which now I have options with that equity
0: yeah yeah, no, for sure, I love the answer, so there's a lot I want to unpack there first i i uh... I agree with your uh, sentiment on, you know, Bank of Canada, they're going to probably have one more rate hike. I think uh, that seems to be the consensus, but especially from realtors, because I think realtors have, um, you know, sort of a benefit for, for that scenario to happen, but it's refreshing to hear it from you because you you painted like a very macro, you know, big picture outlook, which, um, you know, a lot of other realtors don't don't really get or understand. So it's it's nice to hear that. Um, I agree with that.
1: And and, and, and look, it, it the, to the person who's listening or watching right now, I think you have to ask yourself, where are you in terms of like, why are you asking that question in terms of, of what, how the market is? And what I mean by that is that if you're a home seller, like if you're thinking about maybe needing to sell currently, like right now, the way that we sit, where we sit, unless you have to sell because of financial hardship, or some other situation like I mean you have to sell I think that's the only time you should be selling unless like this is not time the time to test the market if you don't have to sell what I'm trying to say is don't sell because values have come down in most markets not in all markets within this greater Toronto area within the country and even in North America not have values come down in all the areas sales have gone down but in most areas what your home was worth six months ago is not today's price. It's lower. So unless you have to sell, like if you don't have to sell, don't sell because the values will come back up again. So just hold on to your property. If you're a home buyer, if you're a home buyer right now, you need to figure out like with the increase of the interest rates, can you still, can, are you still comfortable with these new mortgage payments? Like are you comfortable with the fact that you're going to be paying more on the mortgage and then, and, and, Understand that the rates might go up in September, October, but they're probably going to come down again. And so understand that unless you have to buy, you could also sit and wait. There's nothing wrong with that. If you have a, a little bit more of a stomach, and now I'm also speaking to that third category, which is if you're a real estate investor. If you have a little bit more of a stomach to for for risk, understand that that yes, rates have gone up. But rents have also increased because everybody who's thinking about buying, they've stopped because they're, if they're on the fence, the, 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 the cost of borrowing has gone up for them. So they all said the conversations at home are like, honey, let's just wait and see what happens. But then they continued to rent. And because there was more demand now, not as much supply, the rent values have also gone up in most in most cities in North America, specifically in the region of Greater Toronto area. But going back to the home buyer for a second, that also understand that there's some compelling buying opportunities that we haven't seen in in maybe as much as about a year and a half, two years, because everything that a home buyer or an investor was looking at, they were competing against. 67 other people right and so now you don't have as many offers uh, on the table all at once you you have homes that are sitting on the market people who are on the market they need to sell and now it's back to like as, as you mentioned or I mentioned I mean, I've been doing this for 17 years it's back to like how I used to do real estate a decade ago. You sit down at the kitchen table and you negotiate a deal. The silliness of last two years, values increasing by 21% year over year. I didn't like it. I'm an investor myself. I didn't like it. It, it, Anything that goes up that fast generally starts to come down, right? And so I also like the fact that you got to put a deal together. It's not the, you know, it's a crapshoot on what the home is worth, like, from a realtor's perspective we were taking buyers out and buyers and and sellers are like and the seller's agent and and as they should because it's their home they can list it and ask for whatever they want and and play you know the multiple offer situation the way that they want they were like just give us your best right. price like that's it and we we're like but what, what like what are you looking for not the highest price and it was a crapshoot man like also there was 15 offers yeah. 52 offers and like values and doing comparative market analysis, which is just a funny word for like, what are other homes um, selling for to come up with a value? That was all thrown out the window, right? And so um, I think I actually like the situation we're in right now because there's some normalcy to the market, right? Like there's 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 the ability to go see homes. You don't have to act right on the spot. Um, I'm, I'm never knocking anyone else's business model. So like for me, I've always been the person like, Hey, cost of the buyer, let's go see some homes. If you like one, great. Like we'll move if you do, we'll move to the next step. If yeah. not, who cares? Something else will come around the corner. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. Um you know, there there's certain things where y- you hear about real estate investing and like you don't really fully grasp it until you're in it. And you know, it's it's the it's not the timing the market, but the time in the market. And and that if you can you can hold your properties for as long as you can, like that's where the real value and appreciation, equity, everything's built. So it's a time in, um,
1: and it takes the guessing game out of it too, uh, right, brother? Like, like it's it's you don't have to be like when you go down to the to the five year market, or if you're gonna buy a home, and do some renovations, maybe add a story where there's like at a, at a, at a second story at a basement apartment, there's that, that's some real value you're forcing the appreciation because you're adding income to the property possibly, but you're still going to have to speculate on what it's going to be worth in three years or sorry, within a year after you do the renovations, right? Which look, I know a lot of my clients that have made a lot of money doing that. I just, I'm not that person. I'm just like, I'm a lazy investor. I like to invest into something that's very, very passive. I, I, I've also seen people lose their shirt in those situations. Um, but I don't want to play the guessing game. Like, like, Let me park my money where I know over time, I don't even need the, the average in the greater Toronto area for the last 40 years has been 7.3% year over year. I don't even need that brother just give me like a cool cons- conservative 4% 5% year over year compounding increase and I'm okay with that right and so um when when you get into the the buying and the flipping homes um especially like especially if you're not going to be doing the work just be very very careful right like cuz now you got to get the contractors involved there's 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 trying to time exactly to your point like you're trying to time when is going to be a good uh, 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 time to strike and sell. Um, you also need to coordinate all the co- the contractors and make sure you get all the supplies and all that kind of stuff. But at least if you're doing the the work yourself because that's what you enjoy, um, and maybe it's your gig, like your full-time gig, then, then I think there might be some value there too, right? Because you're enjoying what you do, um, as well as you, you have a little bit more control now. You're not, you're, not, you're not waiting on a bunch of contractors or a general contractor to finish up yeah, their work. For sure. It's,
0: yeah, speculation increases when you're getting into the flip game, for sure. Um, I want to talk about, so I know you're a big fan of pre-construction. Um, can you just in general, like, why why do you like pre-construction so much specifically um, compared to other like detached investments?
1: Yeah, so 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 like when it comes to pre-construction, it's more like pre-construction of all types of properties, okay. right? Um, we most people most people tie pre-construction to to condos, which is majority of the inventory anyways in in, in southern Ontario because there's just no more land to build semi-detached homes detached homes and for the builder the cost and of the land to build a detached it like their returns not as high right because they can only build so many where a condo you can build upwards you can get a lot more units 200 300 you know there's 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 500 unit buildings here in the city of toronto right um and so you can actually you can actually make out like the builder gets a better return for me personally, as an investor, um, it gives me some options, right? Like some flexible options. Number one, um, as long as I'm buying in the first access of when the builder um, releases these units, if we're looking at a condo um, is like, I know that the builder is going to release units in allocation. So if it's 500 units and they might do it like, 50 in the first one, uh, uh, allocation. And then the second time around they might do 80 and then the third time they might do a hundred. But every time they do that, that allocation, they increase the price by 25, 30,000. So as long as I'm buying in the first access, I'm already making money while they're allocate like someone else and hand, like 80 people, a hundred people, 200 people are paying more than what I pay for. So getting in, in the first access is, the most important part of when you're investing into a pre-construction condo. The second thing it allows for me anyways, is, is, is the fact that because the building's not going to be built generally two and a half, four to four years later, on average, about three years, I don't have to get a mortgage. So like it doesn't show up on the radar when I go get a multiplex, when I go get some other duplex, some other type of investment. this doesn't show up on my on my on my credit. It doesn't show up on my on my in, in anywhere to the bank. And so that's a huge plus for me, right? Because I can now still have some flexibility in getting more financing. The third thing that I like about it is that as an investor here in our province of Ontario, you have to put down twenty percent. But with a pre construction, because again, you're buying today for something that's gonna be built three years down the road, I don't actually have to come up with all that twenty percent. The the builder, as they build, they allow me to put that twenty percent down over that three year period. So I just gotta put some chunks down. It's forces me to save. So if I have an idea of getting a new car, I got to remind myself like currently right now when I'm sitting here Costa, I think I think I have about four closings coming up in the next 3 years. So every year I got to make sure that I put away that money for these deposits, right? And so it forces me to save. Another thing I like about it is when I come to closing 3 years down the road, in the meantime about a year before closing, I could start to explore an option which allows me, as long as I have it in writing, so you got to have some things in writing, it's very, very important, and, and, and you know, shameless plug, like I have a tons of videos on this stuff on my YouTube or Instagram and all that kind of stuff, so like dive in, but you need, it gives me an option if I wanted to take that paper and flip it to somebody else, it's kind of the street term, but like legally it's called doing an assignment, it gives me the option in 17 years, I've actually never assigned a condo yet. But I like the fact that I can, in case I ran, I run into financial hardship, in case lifestyle changes, in case I, you know, I find another type of investment that excites me. And but some of my money's tied up in this in this uh, pre-construction condo. Then I, I'm a, I'm able to flip the yeah. paper. Generally, I'm going to be doing it at a profit because I do it. I do it for about. 30 to 40 clients a year. So I have enough experience with it. I personally just haven't done it because I'm that buy and hold person. What I like to do is close on the property. Also at the time of closing, if I wanted to, I can also bring in you Costa, as a joint venture partner to get the financing. Maybe I can tell you how much equity is in there. You can give me 50% like in cash. I can now bring you into the investment. So I have some closing options, but what I like to do is close on it myself. Maybe with another, like my business partner and I do a lot of stuff together. My brother and I, my two brothers and I do stuff together as well. But I like to close on it, rent it out for a year. So there's a $24,000 rebate that you got to pay to the government of Canada. If you show that you rent it out for a year, you get that back. So I want to get that back. But then also I give some time now for more equity to have grown a year of mortgage payment, but also the appreciation in the value I go back to the bank and I refinance, not all the time, right to the penny, but I try to get all the 20% down that I put in. I'm going to try, excuse me, to get that back. Does it always work out in year one? No. I time it to maybe make it happen in year two. I just continuously rent it. Uh, This way, now I own a condo, a unit, a piece of real estate that's worth, call it, I don't know, $750,000. And I have none of my own money in there. I've actually cashed out. I still own the asset. I have the money tax-free because I never sold anything. I don't pay any tax on all that stuff that I just did. No capital gains, no income tax, no HST, nothing. I go away clean legally. I take that money. I generally go buy something else with that.
0: that. Great model. So uh, you, you answered a few a few things I wanted to ask about. So it's interesting. You've never sold an assignment ever. Crazy. Yeah.
1: Personally, no, personally, yeah. no.
0: Um, i like the last
1: time I was going to do it, I got offered about one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars more than like I paid for it. And like I I went to the bar, I had a shot of tequila, <laughs> came back to my office so I can calm the nerves. It was the first time somebody offered me that kind of money for an assignment. And I just worked the numbers. I was like, man, I can get this $125,000 in two years, okay, by doing that refinance whole model that I just spoke about and still hold on to the yeah. asset. The 125 Gs that I was going to get from this person, I still needed to pay tax yeah. on it. So I didn't end up Makes doing sense. it. Makes
0: And our pre-construction condos, you, you mentioned that they get built average three, four years out. Are they priced four years in advance or are they priced in today's market?
1: Sometimes, sometimes it's generally not in today's market. There's a little bump because the builder also wants to take some of that as well. Um, I think like, you know, five, seven, eight years ago when I started doing this, it was, it was a lot closer to today's value. Now you will definitely see um, a little bit of an increase compared to what other condos in the area are going for. And that's what you want. That's how you want to determine what, you're like, how much are you like? What's the value of what you're right. getting? Always, like, if you're going to sell me a laptop, I'm going to look at what are other laptops selling first, cost of taking me for yeah. a ride. You know what I mean? That's that's kind of how I compare everything yeah. in car sales. I used to be in that business a long time ago. There's a black book value in real estate. We call it comparables, comps, comparative yeah. market analysis. So now everybody knows kind of some of those terms, right? Where um, what I noticed is over time, the builders have a I'm going to say maybe like it's hard to give you an exact number, but there's probably, you know, a 5% increase or so um, based on 10% sometimes even. Um, However, that's why you also want to look at the resale market, because if you can get a condo that's less, as long as you have the 20% down as the investor all under your pillow in your bank, through a refinance on another property, your principal residence, whatever, that's, all the, that's an option, right? Because the advantage there is, the advantage there is, is that you're going to be able to rent out, right, rent out that property right away and actually get mortgage pay down, right? And so that's why like, um, I love pre-construction condo investing, but it's not right for everyone, right? Like the, the, each type of investing is different. Like a lot of people like the sexiness of investing into multiplexes. Well, you need, you need more money down, right? Like So you either need to have it into your pillow, you need to be able to raise the capital. There's more involved with that. Then other people love all like just com- like true commercial investing, buying a plaza, renting it out. Well, that creates, that has its own cons and disadvantages. Every single investment, I've been doing this for a very long time now, every single investment has its benefits and it has the things that you need to consider. If someone tells you different, please run away from them like as far as you can because they're trying to pull one over on you like every time in fact you should be asking four questions what is the investment like am i investing into a pre-construction a multiplex a a, a reit what is my return like i'm going to give you a dollar what's my expected return okay when Can I get this return like if I wanted to get out of something in a year well a pre-construction condo is not for you because your money's tied up until the building gets built right and the fourth question is what risks are involved and somebody has to be able to answer all those four questions and if they can't you need to run away
0: that's you know one of the things that I love about real estate investing and you don't realize this again until you're like in it there's an infinite number of ways you can invest like what could be a great investment for me could not be a great investment for you. And, and, and there's so many different ways. And I think a lot of people think it's like a one size fits all type of formula. And it's really not. It's truly like personal and, uh, depending on what's good for you. So.
1: Well, I got, I got people, I got people who, who, who want to hold on to a property, right? Like they actually want to be able to touch seed and smell it. So then you, you should go down the route of, uh, an income property, IE, like a, or a pre-construction condo, whatever it is. But if you're like, if you're like somebody who just like, I don't want to touch the tenants and the toilets. Like I don't want to go down that route. Well, then you can invest into land development deals. You can invest into REITs, real estate investment trusts. You can you can invest into uh uh second mortgages where you lend your money out, right? Um, there's so many, like to your point, Costa. Um, it's probably one of the reasons why I say it's one of the best types of investment ways to create wealth, because there's so many ways of doing it personally. It all just made sense to me and like full transparency to everybody who's watching or listening. If you don't follow me, I am like a, you know, a high school diploma. That's it. I got nothing past that. I am from on the Northern part in Toronto in an area called Rexdale. I'm not that like, I don't have any formal education. And so real estate to me needed to be dumbed down 17, 18, 19 years ago, a couple of years before I even got my license to the, to the fact of, and what excited me is that somebody else will give me 80%. You know, back then you could even do it. Like somebody would give you 90% of the value of a property. Somebody else will give you the money for that. Okay. Through a mortgage. And then as long as you, as long as you find that place in an area that there's a lot of people coming Ie, Southern Ontario. They will rent it for. They will rent it from you. Pay you every single month, and all you gotta really do is give them some customer service. Take care of the place. So when a toilet breaks, when 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 um, maybe a month goes by and they couldn't pay because a lockdown or they ran through some hardship themselves. Can you be that person to figure it out with them? Because if you are, and you provide, like if you think about this as a business and you provide customer service, they'll take care of your place, pay the mortgage down. It all kind of made sense. It was really easy for me to understand. I didn't need to have an MBA in it. It was just quite basic.
0: love it, love it. I I know we're short for time. I have two questions. I'm really curious to hear hear your thoughts on. I'm having a blast, buddy. Look, I, I think so. I, a lot of people, I think, get turned off from real estate investing when you look at cash flow numbers. As you, you know, it's practically impossible to be cash flow positive in the in the GTA right now. And I think because of that, uh, I think people see real estate is not a good investment once they get to that point in the spreadsheet. So, like, what's your what's your quick thought on that?
1: Well, currently right now there's certain areas around the Greater Toronto area. If you go further west and you go further east, really west like in areas like Hamilton, excuse me, in some pockets like London, you can actually find cash flowing investments. Like and for somebody who's new to this, it's like your rental income will fully fully uh, uh, cover all your expenses, and then you have money left over. That's cash flow. Whatever that number is, that's your cash flow of the property. So what Costa is saying is majority of the time and, and in majority of places within the greater Toronto area and Southern Ontario, your expenses are more than what your rental income is. And so to those people, what I say is, look, if it's a thousand bucks that you're putting in, it's probably too much because you can probably find a property where you only have to put in $200. So now when you're down to $200, if I, as an investor, and this is, again, for me, and it works well for me, because I've had properties in the last 17 years that at the start, I was paying 200 $300 into the property out of my pocket. But I looked at it like I'm taking it out of my left pocket and putting it into my right pocket because the mortgage got the, 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 the mortgage got paid down. Right. And so what what happened with that is the fact that while the mortgage was being paid down, the values were going up and then over time, rents were also being increased as well. When I went to go refinance my mortgage three years down the road or not refinance, I apologize, renew my mortgage because at the start I wasn't refinancing because it was too risky for me. I didn't have the stomach for it. I was just doing like real estate 101 in real estate investing 101 where when I went to go renew the mortgage, well, a magical thing happened because the mortgage got paid down for three years or five years. Principal was paid down. I actually was at a place where my rental in cover a uh, rental income covered all my expenses. If you balk or or concern yourself over the two hundred to three hundred dollars a month again going into your investment, the only thing that I would ask is look at how quickly you probably spend two to three hundred dollars at the bar on the weekend on on just silly stuff like. The list goes on because so you and I, we go have a couple of drinks, some nachos, a little bit of, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, appetizers. Yeah. We're probably going to hit that 200 it? bucks. You know what I mean? And nobody thinks about that. Right. Where for me, it was a no brainer. I was all about I'll put in 200 bucks into this thing because over a five year period, over a five year period, I'm going to be paying 10 grand. What do you think your value is worth at in that five years? How much mortgage got paid down, right? And so I, again, hence why I go wider in terms of my time yeah,
0: frame. Back to time in the market, not timing the market. Uh, Jazz, man, thank you so much. I, I know we're, we're short for time here. Uh, I know you got to stop another call. So thank you so much. I did have another question. I'm, I'm going to send you a, a message. and Go, throw it at and, me. And, uh, why don't you throw one throw more, more? Throw one more at- why don't you throw one more at me? Okay, Go throw one is, this more. This is a at quick me. one. So you know, I, and I've heard you talk about this before, which is interesting in comparing, you know, the Golden Horseshoe region where we're at, basically the GTA. where We live in like a, a landlock, kind of like equivalent to an island if you look at the Greenbelt. So, you know, with with the population growth continuing to explode in Ontario, uh, and will continue to explode. Do you ever see legislation opening up, like? To develop in the green belt, like do you hear anything about this in your inner circle? Like any yeah, there? I uh,
1: definitely, definitely we're hearing about it. Um, how they're gonna go about it, I don't know, but we are hearing that they're thinking about opening up some of this 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 restricted land, which. For people that don't know, like back in 2005, the Greenbelt legislation came into effect that restricts developers to develop on certain land to preserve the land. We need it, right? And so, however, we're also running out of believe it or not, in downtown Toronto, like there's no more parking lots, empty parking lots. Fifteen years ago, there was hundreds. They're all gone. There's buildings. They're building. There's applications right now to build on buildings, like right. And so, and so we need to we need to open up some of this land. But I think what they even need to do before that is actually just cut some of the red tape. It takes 10 years, Costa, from from an application put in for a building to go yeah. up here in Toronto. In Manhattan, a lot more restricted, a lot more tighter, harder to get construction vehicles through the city. It's closer to three years. Yeah you know, two and a half to three years. So I think that's what they need to attack first. They're always trying to curb the demand or make, have these little band-aids. I don't have the answer, to be honest with you, but I always think about if I was leading that, what would happen is we're all sitting in a room ordering food and we're, do, like, we're just figuring this out. Let's just figure out those whole supply and demand slash affordability. We got to get to the bottom of this, but otherwise Toronto is already kind of a renter city, but we're really going to start to see it like Manhattan, where the average person doesn't buy a property in Manhattan anymore. You rent, right? We're starting to see that in Toronto as well, but we're going to start to see that scale.
0: For sure. Jas, appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for the time. I think we're going to have to do a part two sometime in the near future. So I want to get a little deeper with you here. I (laughs) I
1: would
0: love to do it, brother. I
1: love being hosted by you. Um, You're really a ball of energy. Thank you so much, man.
0: Thanks so much, guys. All the best. Bye. Talk soon.